Well, we're so glad you guys are with us today, and we're going to be jumping into our second part of our current series called Songs That Pierce the Heart. And as we saw last week, there are all kinds of songs that kind of pierce the heart. They're the songs that kind of reach us right where we are. They kind of, you know, go right to the soul, you know. And, and our band actually did an incredible job last week of playing for you some of the songs that kind of pierce the heart uh, that you maybe heard on the radio. And there's rumors that there's some more coming throughout the series, so, you know, it's going to be fun. But um, there are songs that pierce the heart, but there are also songs that are really bad, aren't there, right? There are some terrible lyrics out there. I just want to read a few with you. We're going to go back a ways here. You ready? There she was just walking down the street, singing do I diddy diddy dum diddy do. Snapping her fingers and shuffling her feet, singing do I diddy diddy dum diddy do. I think the key word is dumb here. I think, um, she looked good, looked good, she looked fine, looked fine, she looked good, she looked fine, and I nearly lost my mind. Some deep stuff right there, right? What about this? Bad to the bone. One day I was born, the nurses all gathered round, and they gazed in wide wonder at the joy they had found. The head nurse spoke up. And said, leave this one alone. She could tell right away I was bad to the bone. Right there, right upon birth, right? Let's talk about a current song. Sometimes a certain smell will take me back to when I was young. How come I'm never able to identify where it's coming from? I'd make a candle out of it if I ever found it. Try to sell it. Never sell out of it. I'd probably only sell one. It'd be my brother because we have the same nose. There you have it. Thank you very much. Let's go in prayer. Okay, that's great, right? So there are some terrible song lyrics out there that really don't quite pierce the heart. They kind of make us scratch our heads. But man, I love the songs that pierce our heart. And in the Bible, there are songs that pierce the heart. They're called Psalms, right? The Psalms were a, a book of collection of songs that different writers wrote. And then when Israel would come together and they would sing, they would sing these psalms or these songs together as they worship. And here in this series, we're going to look at some of these psalms or songs that pierce the heart and so last week we looked at one of them. We looked at Psalm 32, and we really saw in that psalm that it's always worth it to bring our sin to God and do things his way, right? It's never worth it to hide from God. Last week we said it this way. It's so much better to hide in God and not hide from God, right? And so I hope today and in this past week you've been working on doing that. But today's psalm is a really powerful psalm, and it's so encouraging. You know there are some psalms that kind of hit you and they kind of convict you, but this psalm is a song, man, a song that just kind of really makes me motivated and inspires me and challenges me in big ways. So we're going to look at, at Psalm 84. And Psalm 84 really talks about being hungry for closeness with God. The person that wrote this psalm was hungry, was was ready, was, had, had this appetite to be close to God. Now, we struggle with this sometimes, right? Sometimes we struggle with an appetite or a hunger to be close to God. But we all know that feeling when we're just really hungry. Now, it's kind of early in the morning. It's about 10 o'clock right now. So maybe your stomach's not ground too much. But what happens when I put this picture up, right? We put this picture up. Anything happen on the inside? Get a little bit more hungry maybe as that goes. What about this next one? Anybody ready for some of this today? right? Anybody plan on going after service? It's closed today. You can't, right? It's Sunday. Sorry, right? Some of you guys have a sweet tooth. What about this? When this one comes up, does that, does that do anything to you? You know that hunger deep inside? You see, that, that hunger is what the psalmist was talking about. He felt toward God. Years ago, my father-in-law was at a wedding, and um, one of his friends, his, his friend's tables got called up before his table for the buffet line, and so his friend kind of walked by, came back, and as he's walking back with a plate full of food, he sees my father-in-law's table still hasn't been called. So he thinks he's going to be a wise guy. So he takes the plate of food and kind of shoves it right in my father-in-law's face. My father-in-law's like, yeah, yeah, real funny, real funny. What he didn't know 
was that my father-in-law wasn't just hungry because his table hadn't been called up for the buffet yet. He was hungry because he was on a 21-day fast, and he was on day 19. And this guy puts a plate of food in his face. He's lucky he didn't get punched, right? That hunger he must have been feeling in that moment. See, that's the kind of hunger that this psalmist talks about that he has toward God. Now, we're in different places here in the room. Some of us in this room are really hungry to get closer to God. There's an appetite in us to get closer to God. There's a desire deep in us to be nearer to God, right? And I hope today's message encourages that and inspires that. But there's some of us in the room, we're in an interesting place. We don't necessarily have a hunger to get closer to God, but we wish we did. Isn't that interesting? Some of us, just we, if we're honest, we woke up today going, I guess I'll go to church because it's Sunday. You know, if, if, if God does something in my heart, that kind of be cool. But there's not like this waking up anticipation of, oh, God, draw me closer to you today. So some of us find ourselves in that place today. We don't have an appetite to be closer to God, but we wish we did. Again, we can kind of relate to this feeling when it comes to food. Sometimes there are times we don't have an appetite, but we wish we did. Some of us, it'll be later tonight. Around 6 o'clock, we will stuff ourselves with all kind of food around kickoff, Right? And about an hour and a half later, depending on whose house you may be at, maybe they'll bring out some more food or some dessert around 7.30, 8 o'clock, game's going so-so, you kind of know who's going to win at this point, and eh, we might as well eat a little bit more, right? But you go over to the table and you look at that, and there's all kinds of desserts out there, whatever it might be, and you're thinking, man, I have no appetite for this, but I wish I did, because it looks great. And that's exactly where some of us are right now. Just wish I wanted more of God. I don't, but I kind of wish I did. Today, I hope to inspire that hunger in you. Now, some of us are in a completely different place. We don't have any kind of an appetite or a hunger to be closer to God, and we're kind of okay with it. We don't really wish we did. In fact, some of us in this room might kind of be a little bit confused right now. Like, what is this guy talking about? Having an appetite to be closer to God, having a desire to be nearer to God. What does that even look like? Maybe some of you, maybe if you're not a follower of Jesus or you're new to church, you're like, what does that even look like to be close to God that's possible? And so I don't know where you are in that spectrum, but today I hope to inspire and encourage and challenge each of us to kind of stir up some of that hunger for God and take steps to get closer to him. This is so important to talk about because we miss out on so much when we miss out on closeness with God. That's just the truth. We miss out on so much when we miss out on closeness with God. If you've been a follower of Jesus for a while, you know that. You know that's true. You can think back to those times in your life when you just felt so near God, and maybe you can think back to times when you were really far from God, and you know, man, I miss out on so much when I miss out on that closeness with God. So we're going to check out Psalm 84, and we actually don't know who wrote Psalm 84. It's actually like a lot of the popular songs that are on the radio today. You know who sang the song, but you don't necessarily know who wrote it, right? Like a lot of us know these big stars' names, but we probably don't know half the people who wrote these songs, and that's what's true with this psalm. We know the name of the person who sings it, but we don't know the person who wrote it. And if you look at the beginning of the psalm, often as you're reading through the psalm, there's a little bit of an intro there. And in that intro, we get some cool information. So the intro for Psalm 84 says this. It says, for the director of music, according to Giddith, of the sons of Korah, a psalm. Okay? Now, what's a Giddith? A Giddith was a stringed instrument. I think we need one of those on our band, actually. That'd be legit, right? What do you play? I play the lead Giddith, right? That'd be legit, right? So we got to get one of those going, Andrew. But, but then we find out 
that it was for the sons of Korah to sing. In other words, we don't know who wrote it, but the sons of Korah were going to stand up with the people of Israel and lead this time of worship singing this psalm. But the psalmist really has two thoughts throughout this entire psalm, and he goes back and forth between these two. First one is, I really want to be close to God. And the second one is, here's why I want to be close to God. So we see these two thoughts, and he goes back and forth and back and forth. I want to be close to God. I want to be in his presence. I want to be near him. I want to be close. And then we hear, here's why. And that's important for us today, because if you're here today, and you're not really hungry for God, but you wish you were, or you're just not hungry for God at all, and you could kind of care less, today you're going to find out why it's so beautiful to have this hunger for God. Why it's such an incredible thing to say, wow, this is why I should want to be near God. And so I hope today we were all going to discover new things and maybe some old things, maybe be reminded of some things that would tell us, okay, this is why being close with God is such a beautiful thing. This is why when I miss out on closeness with God, I miss out on so much. So Psalm 84, here we go. Psalmist says this, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. So he starts out with why I want to be close to God. He says, because your, your dwelling place is lovely. Now this is interesting, okay, stick with me here. It's a little bit different for us than it was for the person who wrote this psalm. You see, the person who wrote this psalm, when they think about being close with God, they are thinking about a location, okay? Because back in the day, God's presence and the way he met with his people in a unique way was really in a location. It was in a place. It was called the temple. And so when the psalmist is thinking about being close to God, he's thinking about literally going to a physical place because that's where God met with the people. And the interesting thing is, most people weren't even allowed to go into the temple. They had to worship God out in what was called the temple courts. So here you have the psalmist thinking, man, I love to go to church. I love to go to the temple. I love to be near God's presence because when I'm in that physical location, that's when I get to be close to God. Do you realize something today? We have it so much better than the writer of this psalm did. Because you know where the location of God's presence is now for you and me if we're followers of Jesus? In us. So here's the psalmist saying, man, I love to be close to God. And it only happens when I'm at that physical location for those moments that I'm there. But you and I have the opportunity to say, I love closeness with God because he is with me wherever I go. Man, we have it good. We have it so much better than the writer of this psalm would have it. He's always accessible. Sure, there are times we feel closer to God than others, right? But he's always accessible and he is always with us. So I've been a follower of Jesus a real long time. And I can say for the last, I don't even know, 30-something years of my life, God's always been with me. I didn't have to go find him anywhere. I didn't have to go to a physical location somewhere. I didn't have to travel to a certain city at a certain time and that's where he'd be. No, he's always been with me. Why be close to God? Because his presence, like the psalmist says, is, is lovely. It's lovely to be near you, God. It's lovely to be close to you. Verse 2 says this, my soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. I love this hunger. See, this is proof that the psalmist wants to be close to God. He says, man, my soul yearns and even faints for you, Lord. Anybody here remember, some of you guys saw it on TV, some of you guys, like me, and some of the younger people in the room have seen this on YouTube, when the Beatles played on the Ed Sullivan show? Pastor Ravone, I think you were in the Beatles, weren't you? Yeah, there he is. Yeah, there he is. That's Pastor Ravone back in the day. He, I swear, he was in the Beatles. I'm sure of it, right? But some of you guys remember or you've seen the clip. And what was happening in that clip? You can hardly hear the Beatles playing because the girls in the crowd 
were screaming so loud, and there's video footage of them literally fainting as the Beatles are playing. And the psalmist is saying, I yearn for God like that. I faint for God. I want to be so close to him. I want to be so near to him. Some of us feel like that right now. Some of us feel like, I just, just more of you, God. Get me closer to you. Get me near to you. I want to know you better. I want to experience you. I want to see how real you are. Some of us wish we felt that way. Some of us maybe don't even have that desire yet, but I hope today as we see all the reasons why we should be close to God and why it's such a beautiful thing, that that will grow and develop in your heart. But then we see more proof he wants to be close to God. He says, my heart and flesh cry out for the living God. You ever felt like that? Your heart and flesh cried out for something? Like you just wanted it so bad, it literally felt like your heart was going to pound out of your chest and like your flesh was crying out for it. That's how he desires to be close to God. Verse 3, even the sparrow has found a home and the shallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Now, we don't quite know what these verses mean. There's two possibilities. One, that when the writer of this psalm was at the temple in the courts, he literally saw a bird in a nest and thought to himself, man, that bird is living the life because it's so near the presence of God here in this nest that's made in the temple. But the other thought is, is maybe it's like a picture of the psalmist, right? Matthew Henry said this, he would rather live in a bird's nest nigh or near God's altars than in a palace at a distance from them. So again, just a passion and a hunger to be close to the presence of God. Then verse four, why be close to God? Why is it a beautiful thing? Blessed are those who dwell in your house. Now remember, why is it bringing up the house of God? Because remember, God's presence was in a physical location and that's where he met with his people only. You and I have it so much better than that. But he says, blessed are those who dwell in your house. So why would I want to be close to God? Because he blesses you and I when we're close to him. When, when you and I are near God, we are so incredibly blessed. In fact, John Contest once said that the last time you were in God's presence, you didn't want to leave it. Isn't that true? If, you're, if you've been a follower of Jesus for a while and you've ever felt closeness with Jesus, you've ever felt closeness to God, you felt that joy, that peace, you felt that love, that grace in that place, you didn't want to leave that, right? Because those who are in the presence of God, are blessed. And it goes on, they are ever praising you. People in your presence, they are ever praising God. Now, this is important. We're going to talk a lot about this next week. I'm super pumped about next Sunday, okay? So make sure you're here. But they are ever praising you. Why on earth would we praise God? A lot of us would probably say, because I think I'm supposed to, right? I should. Now, do you know why people in God's presence praise God? Because God's presence is awesome. And when we're around something awesome, you know what we do? We praise. More about that next week. But here is a psalmist saying, we don't praise God because it's our job. We praise God because, man, when we are near him and we experience him, we can't help it. That's why he says they are ever praising you. Then it goes on. Another reason why we should want to be close to God. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. So this past year was a horrible year. I've talked a lot about it. Horrible year for me. Horrible year for our family. And you know what I found out? I found out in this past year that there are levels of difficulty I didn't even know existed. But I can say this. I've learned that God is my strength. I've learned that God has to be my strength. I've learned that in those difficult seasons, I have to be near him because he literally is the thing that keeps me breathing and keeps me upright. Have you ever experienced that? Is that another thing that maybe would push you to get closer to God, to stir up some of that hunger for God, that maybe you're going through something right now by yourself and you so badly need God. 
You so badly need to know what it is to be close to him so that his strength becomes your strength. Then he goes on. We're going to finish this verse out. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Now this part often, I mean, as you're reading through the Bible, doesn't sometimes feel like they throw something out of left field? Like what is this talking about, going on pilgrimage? What does this mean? It means that, again, for the psalmist to be in the presence of God, he had to go on a trip, a journey. He had to go on a pilgrimage to get to the temple so he could be close to God. So again, you and I have it so much better than he did. But I think this brings up an interesting point. Though you and I don't have to travel to a physical location to find the presence of God, sometimes we have to journey for it, don't we? Sometimes we have to go on a little bit of a journey. I had to go on a little bit of a journey. If you're here today and you have a lot of doubt about God, you're looking at a guy who had a ton of doubt about God, okay? And I went on a journey, not that I traveled anywhere, but a journey in a relationship with God, a journey on seeking God out to see if he could be trusted. And as I went on that journey, I discovered, wow, he's the real thing. He's the only thing. He's the only answer. He loves me. He is with me. He desires a relationship with me. He gave his life so that I could know him and I could know forgiveness and grace and mercy. And if you're here today and you are not a follower of Jesus, I encourage you to go on pilgrimage. Not that you have to go travel anywhere to a distant land to find God, but I would encourage you to journey, so to speak, and seek God out. The Bible tells us that when we look for God with all of our heart, we will find him. And that's what it took for me. It took a a looking for him with all my heart. If you're here today and you're not sure if God can be trusted, don't take my word for it. Journey. Seek him. If you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, you know Jesus can be trusted, what kind of journey would you be willing to go on to know him better, to be closer to him? Would you be willing to seek him a little bit more in prayer? Would you be willing to use your gifts and talents to serve him and others a little bit more? Would you be willing to, to fast for a season and, and seek him out. Maybe have somebody walk by over the wedding at a wedding with a plate full of food. Would you be willing to seek God out in that way? Because there's such a hunger in your heart to be closer to him. Then the writer of this psalm, who's on this pilgrimage, says this. This is beautiful. So now, now you're like, okay, so I'm, you're talking about going on this journey, Doug? Like, what's, what's, what's this all look like? Well, look at what it says here. As they pass through the valley of Baca, remember this is talking about the person going on the pilgrimage to get to the temple so they can experience God. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. So again, some of this stuff you got to dig into a little bit. Baca is talking about balsam trees. And the valley of balsam trees was known for two things. Number one, it was known to be a dry place. Number two, it was known to be a place where people wept. And here this psalm tells us that as the person who's on this journey to get closer to God goes through the valley of of dryness and weeping, they will make it a place of springs. Now how can a person make a a valley of dryness and and a valley of weeping a place of springs? Because they're so excited about the closeness and the presence of God that they have a joy through those places. That, That some of you guys here today, you haven't felt the presence of God in a while. I go through seasons like that too. Sometimes it feels like a really dry place. It feels like a really dark place. Sometimes you weep. Sometimes you go, God, I just miss closeness with you. I miss feeling you near. But the psalmist says, as you go through that, you're so excited about the moment you will again feel close to God and experience him in that new way, that that dark, deep, weeping place can become a place of springs. And then I love how it says, the autumn rains also cover it with pools. And it probably refers to the times when we're going through that place 
and God refreshes us. You know what I mean? You ever felt that? You ever feel like you're on this journey toward God and you just need a little bit more and God just, okay, let me encourage you in this relationship. And he refreshes us in that place. Verse seven, along the same lines, they go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. So what is Zion? Zion was the hill that the temple was built on. And this verse is telling us that as you are on this journey toward get, to get closer toward God, God's gonna give you strength until you appear in his presence, until you get to Zion, so to speak. Zion, again, just represents where God's presence was. And so can I just encourage you, if you're here today saying, man, I just wanna be closer to God, but I feel like I try sometimes and it doesn't work. I feel like there are times I open up my Bible and I just don't know what to make of it. There are times I'll, I'll try to pray. I get distracted so easily. There are times I've, I've tried to fast. I can't make it past like 7.05. Like I got to eat something, you know? Like I struggle with this. Can I just encourage you that as you genuinely seek God, he is going to refresh you in that valley. He's going to give you strength to go to the next level in him, which is always a beautiful thing and always a good thing. So some of you here this morning got up at 6 o'clock in the morning, you opened up your Bibles, you spent a half hour reading, and you got into all kinds of commentaries, and you were looking at the Hebrew or the Greek, and you went for it. And that's awesome. Some of you haven't done that in about a year. Can I just encourage you today to open up your Bible again and to seek God? desire closeness with him. Some of you guys, maybe you're, you're late night people. I'm a late night person. I got to get up early often. But man, if I can stay up late, it's like Christmas morning. I just love staying up late. And so some of you, you stay up late and you seek God in prayer. You pray. You pray for the church. You pray for the things going on in your lives. You pray for loved ones that need Jesus. Some of us in the room, man, we haven't done anything like that in a long time. Great. Well, today's the day to start again. To seek God. To get close to him. To stir up that hunger again. Because blessed are those who are near him. We find strength. He refreshes us. We're not just doing this because we should. We're doing this because, man, there are so, so many things we miss out on when we miss out on the presence of God. So don't give up. Seek him again. Verse 8. This is a beautiful, beautiful verse. Ready? Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Now, this is probably a prayer in this psalm that's about David, because he was the king of Israel. So he was their shield, and he was their anointed one. But you ready for this? This is so powerful. I almost want you to, if you, if you fall asleep for the rest of the message, just listen for like another 30 seconds, okay? That's not permission, but I'm just saying. If some of you want it, like, okay, well, give me a hand out pillows soon. No. So I love this, because David is not our shield or our anointed one. He was Israel's. Do you know who your shield and your anointed one is? Jesus. He's your shield, and he is God's anointed one. And when, the, when you and I pray this, when we read through the Psalms and we sing this or pray this Psalm, do you know what it might mean? Oh, God, instead of looking at me, look on your, your shield, your anointed one. Instead of looking at me, Jesus, because I fail, because I, I do wrong things. If you're not a follower of Jesus, please hear me loud and clear. In this room, sitting around you, up on this stage, people singing, me speaking right now, a bunch of people who fail daily, who get it wrong, who are trying to become more like Jesus, but sometimes we don't get it right, and he's changing us, but we're not there yet. And so we need God to, instead of looking at us and our sinfulness and our brokenness, to look to Jesus, who is perfect, who is our shield from our sin and our brokenness, who is our anointed one who came to rescue us and save us. I'm so glad that when God looks at me, he sees me 
That's pure and holy because Jesus is what he's really looking at. He looks at Jesus and he sees me in the background. He looks at me through the beautiful things Jesus has done for me. And he looks at you in the same way. And so what a beautiful thing to say, oh God, look at our shield. Look at our son. Your son, the anointed one. It's amazing ministry. If you're not a follower of Jesus, today you have the opportunity to put your hope in Jesus and say, I can't save myself. I can't rescue myself. God, I mess up all the time. Help me, save me, forgive me of my sin, and begin to change me like only you can. And then verse 10, one of my favorite verses in Scripture. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. The writer of this psalm says, better is one day in your courts. Remember, the writer of the psalm probably couldn't even go into the temple. So he says, hey, better is one day just out in the courts of the temple, like outside in the courtyard of the temple, because that's where your presence is, God, than thousands elsewhere. If you could go anywhere today, where would you go? Where would your elsewheres be? My brother-in-law and I always talk about going to Lambeau Field to see the Packers play. Just think that would be a really fun football experience one day, right? My wife a couple weeks ago looked at me and said, we got to go to Philly. And I was like, what, like, did you find a doctor out there or something? She's like, I just need a cheesesteak. I was like, this is why I married you. Yes, this is among other things, of course, but, you know. Some of you guys, man, that, that's where it would be, man. Where's that place where you get your favorite food, right? Some of you, it would be like the locker room or, or, you know, like where your favorite team plays. So some of you guys, man, if I could just hang out like with the Mets or the Yankees or, or like go to like Knicks or the Nets, like actually are there Nets fans on Long Island or, or anywhere else for that matter? I'm not quite sure. But, but um, some of you guys would be backstage at your favorite band's concert, be meeting your favorite author or artist. Some of you guys, if you could go anywhere right now, it would be like a beach island by yourself where there's no Wi-Fi, no cell signal, your boss can't find you, right? And here's the writer of this psalm saying, better is one day in your courts, God. In other words, better is one day near you, close to you, in your presence, than thousands on a beach or anywhere else. What a passion to be close to God. And what that should tell us is God's presence is amazing. If it's better to be there for even a day than anywhere else, then it is amazing. And there's nothing like it anywhere else. And we miss out on so much in his presence when we miss out on that closeness with him. Then it goes on. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. Another reason why we should be close to God. What does the sun do? Gives us light. Gives us direction. Helps us see. What does the shield do? Protects us. And so the psalmist is saying, God, I know that you are my, my light, my direction, and the one that protects me. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Now we have a couple of objections to this verse. The first objection, and we talk about this almost weekly here because I think it's such a big deal, is we might look at this verse and say, well, I've asked God for stuff and he's withheld it. Well, then maybe uh, you missed the word in there, good thing does he withhold, right? Because often we ask for bad things and they look like good things up front. We just don't know that they would be terrible things for us, right? And so the psalmist says, hey, no good thing does God withhold from us. He's always giving us the good thing. The second thing I think we might object to in this verse is, but I'm not blameless. <laughs> right? It says, blessed are those whose walk is blameless. I'm, Doug, you just said we're not blameless. I know that's why we need to say, God, look at our shield and our anointed one, Jesus, because he makes me blameless. You are blameless. You're not blameless in your performance. You're blameless because Jesus made you blameless and made me blameless. That's why we celebrated communion this morning. Because his broken body and the blood that he poured out for us makes us blameless before God. So if I died today and I stood before God in heaven, I would be 
blameless, not because I lived a blameless life, but because Jesus died in my place and rescued me. Verse 12, last part we're going to look at here. The Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. It doesn't say the person who trusts in you never goes through anything hard. It doesn't say the person who trusts in you never has a bad day. It says they're blessed. And I can tell you that in lots of years of following Jesus, that's true. And so today, I hope, as we've worked our way through this psalm, you've seen the writer going back back and forth between these two thoughts. I want to be close to God, and here's why. I want to be close to God, and here's why. And if I could summarize this psalm in one phrase, it would be this. There is nothing like closeness with God. That's what I want you to take with you today. That's what I hope will stick with you throughout your week. There's nothing like closeness with God. That's what the psalmist has been saying this whole time. I want to be close to him, and here's why. I want to be near him, and here's why. And this is what he is to me. He is my son, and he is my shield, and he has blessed me, and he's the one that refreshes me in the dry place, in the place of weeping, and he's the one that gives me strength from strength, and I keep on moving closer to him, and it's worth it. And the writer of this psalm had to go on a pilgrimage, on a journey, to stand outside in the courtyard of a temple to be near the presence of God, and you and I get to experience God's closeness, wherever we go, every single day. There's nothing like closeness with God. So how do we respond to this? I just hope today you're getting hungry, getting an appetite to be nearer to God. I hope today you would say, I don't want to stay where I am. And the beautiful thing about closeness with God is It is available to every one of us. So if you're here today, some of you guys have been Christians longer than I've been alive. And you know what? There's more in God for you. You can get closer. As some of you here today, you woke up and you were like, man, it'd be cool to have an appetite to be close to God, but I just don't. Well, hopefully today that's been stirred up and you can get closer to God. And if you're here today and you're like, I had no appetite for God before I walked into this room, but now, man, I don't know. I'm kind of a little bit curious about this. And there's something in me that wants to get near to God and, and maybe begin to test the waters and see if Jesus can be trusted all of us can take, take steps to get closer to God. You might be asking how. How do I do this? Especially if I'm in that place where I, I wish I wanted to get closer, but I don't really have that appetite yet. Then I would encourage you to pray about that. I would encourage you to just begin to say daily, God, I don't want you, but I, I wish I did. I'm not hungry for you, but I wish I was. So God, would you change that in me? You know, talk about a prayer God's going to answer. That's a prayer he's going to answer. So just begin, get into the habit of, God, help me. Maybe today be the first time you ever pray in your life. That is so awesome. Man, that's the coolest thing. If all of this was just for you today, to pray for the first time in your life, then it would all be worth it. And so I'd love for you today to, to maybe think about looking to God and Think about getting closer to him. And, and maybe if you're a follower of Jesus and you've been around for a while and you won't remember a time of closeness with God, but it's been a while, I would encourage you, go on a pilgrimage. You don't have to get on a plane or a boat, but go on a journey to get nearer to him. What are you willing to do? Seek him. Open up the word. Get back into the habit of spending daily time with him. Like we talked about a few weeks ago, just keep that conversation going throughout your day. Stay connected to him. Maybe some of us need to fast and pray and just really seek God. I mean, we'll do some crazy things for things we're passionate about, won't we? I mean, you think Black Friday and all those people camping out for days in tents for like an Xbox or a TV? 
Like, we'll do some crazy stuff for things we're passionate for, things we're hungry for. What would you do to get closer to God? What's he calling you to do? What's the next step for you? And if we do, you know what will happen? We'll find our hearts satisfied in God. We'll find him to be our son and our shield and our anointed one who makes us blameless. We'll find he refreshes and he gives us the strength that we don't have. We'll find that we are blessed. I'm sure everybody in the room knows who Denzel Washington is. In a 2012 interview, he described his father as a decent man, a spiritual man, a gentleman, but he said this. At the age of 14, after his parents' divorce, he said, I didn't see him that much. All the things I did, like sports and things, he wasn't really, I guess, being a spiritual man or just because he had to work so much. I didn't see him. Once my parents were separated, I was in school, so 70% of the year I was away. In the summer, I wasn't looking to track him down. I was ready to hit the streets, so you just kind of fade. Not to say I didn't love him like a dad, but we didn't play ball, those types of things. Next thing you know, you're at college. A few years later, Denzel flew to New York City to, to start filming a movie, and his brother met him out at the airport. He, he, he explains what was going through his mind. He says, the first thought I had was mom died. And his brother instead said, dad had a stroke. That was April of 91. He died in August. We started shooting around that time he died. I never shed a tear for my father. That sounds like a book or a song. I never did, all through the funeral and all that. You ready? There was no connection. Some of us here in this room have thought that maybe God is kind of like Denzel Washington's dad. There, but not necessarily seeking us out. Not necessarily desiring for us to seek him out. I hope today you're seeing that's not the God we have. We have a God who's all about connection. In fact, he wanted connection with you so badly that when you and I were dead and lost in our sins, he sent his son Jesus to come, rescue us. Talk about wanting connection. And so today, if you want to put your trust in him, I'd encourage you to do that. And if you're a follower of Jesus, I would encourage you in this next season to pray for that hunger and to really pray for that appetite and then walk forward in that journey toward God because there is always closeness with him available to you and me. And the reality is, as we saw today, there is nothing like closeness with God. Let's pray. So God, we come desiring to be closer to you. And some of us genuinely desire that. And some of us wish we desired that. And so I pray you'll help us all. And I thank you, God, that it is your heart that we would be near you. And I thank you that you are a dad who pursued us, that you're a dad who sent your son to die in our place to rescue us so we could come close. And I thank you for the psalmist who was so hungry for you. And there's a part of me that's jealous of that kind of passion for you. And I pray, God, you would create that passion in us. So if you're a follower of Jesus, would you pray about that a little bit this morning? And you can be honest with where you are. Some of you are like, God, I'm hungry. I'm ready. Let's go. Lead me on that journey to more closeness with you. Some of us wish we were hungry and wish we had the appetite. So ask him for that. Maybe some of us in the room didn't even know this was all possible to be close to God and to have him as our strength and our shield and our son and to have us being refreshed near him. We, we had no idea that he wanted to go with us throughout our day. But today, I would encourage you, if that's you, and you want to say, God, look at Jesus instead of looking at me. Look at, look at his perfection instead of my fallenness. If you want to look to him, that remove your sin 
be your savior, I would encourage you just to pray something quietly like this. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for pursuing me. Thank you that you want connection with me. You want to be my savior, my Lord. I pray today you'll forgive me for my sin. You begin to change my life. God, show me how real you are. Thank you for all you've done for me in your name.